The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Back to the Brandon Peters Show, and what uh, what feels like a tradition now, uh, the first episode where we talk about a film of the year, will be with my guest, the writer and star of the upcoming film, Bystanders, Jamie Alvey. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's Hi. always it's always great to be back, and I'm always we're always talking about blood and murder and everything here <laughs> for a low for a low price for yeah, a low for, price yeah, we, yeah. Low price. I mean, i'll talk about fake blood all day long maybe some real blood excellent i will get into that all right so today jamie and i are going to talk about the 2001 film series 7 sometimes seen as series 7 the contenders but the damn film's name is series 7 when it first came out when i got mm-hmm. the dvd the dvd i have is series seven. Uh, first up, though, we're gonna do something a little new here. This is this is year four. Uh, we do new. Th- we're gonna try something new. Uh, up at the top, 4K Blues Day. You know it from my YouTube channel. Uh, used to be a, a a segment here, but what I want to do is just highlight a couple announcements from Blu-ray that came out this week. Jamie, you can chime in if you know of anything about uh, the films I'm gonna mention. Um, so let's just uh, ahead of time. Uh, we're gonna talk about our first announcement. Uh, was on was it the nineteenth, which was uh, Tuesday. Uh, Lionsgate, under their Vestron video label, is going to release Catherine Bigelow's film Blue Steel, which stars Jamie Lee Curtis, um, and it's coming in their Vestron line, which is a cool line. So if you're if you're into like Shout Factory stuff like that, they can, this is kind of Lionsgate's version, but it's at a real good like budgeted cost. The restorations aren't great. But they only sell them for like twelve to fourteen dollars, brand new. So I love that they're doing that though, because yeah. that's really cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Blue Steel? I haven't. Now I'm. Oh, gonna, okay. I, I like Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. So I love Catherine Bigelow, and I love Jamie Lee Curtis. So. Right. Uh, yeah. So this is, or yeah, she's like a cop, and Clancy Brown's like her partner. Uh, and there's this guy Ron Silver plays in it. Uh, it's it's a cool movie. I, I really like this movie. I actually have a. I think I have it from Germany. I have a Blu-ray imported, but I definitely will want this. Um, it's got uh, commentary on it. Uh, it's from a film historian, nobody on the production. Uh, it's got an interview with the editor, um, another a film, a film historian uh, kind of interview or something like that. It's got a uh, production designer uh, interview and a video essay by Chris O'Neill. It's got TV spots, trailer, vintage promo, steel gallery. They they've done it up. So that's Blue Steel, which will be available on November fourteenth. Uh, but uh, you know what goes good with trick or treating, Jamie? What? Apparently, Blue Beetle comes out on Halloween from DC <laughs> and Warner Brothers. Yes, October thirty first on four K Ultra HD and Blu Ray. And DVD uh, Blue Beetle from this summer, which was supposed to be an HBO, or I'm sorry, Max, the one to watch, uh, Max movie uh, to come out. Um, no bonus features listed, or no, it's got three, it's got a four part documentary, 
uh, Generations Blue Beetle. It's got a Nana Knows Best featurette, which is the uh, grandmother in it, and a two-part featurette, uh, Scarab Vision, which is uh, talks about how his superpower works. So that's Blue Beetle. Did you see Blue Beetle? I haven't seen it yet, but I... I I really I really like Cobra Kai actually, mm-hmm. so I'm excited mm-hmm. to see that kid going places. He's quite good. He's um that movie my thing was like I really liked the movie, but it was better when it wasn't doing superhero stuff. When it was all family and all that, it was like the most entertaining thing in the world. And then the superhero stuff, I just think the action in it didn't deliver like trailer moments or anything gra- grand. But they were making a Max movie though. This yeah. got reper like this wasn't like. This was shot for television, and then, oh, you know what? Let's throw it in the theater. But so. it, it did really well for itself, though. For, for what it was, for low awareness and low yeah. sell, it's 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 actually holding on okay. Like it's, I mean, it's low numbers for a superhero movie, but people, it had well good reviews, good word of mouth. It's it's fine. It's it's a fun movie. I I like it. But hey, and now at least the little kids that are going to dress up as Blue Beetle can actually go purchase it. On Halloween. Halloween. Put it in that <laughs> trick-or-treat basket. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, so, that's Blue Beetle. If you are wanting your Blu-ray 4K releases announced on this show and talked about or reviewed on my YouTube channel, uh, you can shoot me an email at naptownnerd at blogspot. Or <laughs> naptownnerd at gmail.com. And uh, we'll talk. I'll, I'll let people know. So, all right. Now, Jamie, um, something big has happened in the past year with you i think and uh if people have been a listener of the show they've kind of heard a journey happening that has come to a destination of sorts we have we have um anybody if you remember my from the very first time i was ever on here i talked about my screenplay bystanders um which has been my baby for years now um i started conceptualizing it in late 2016 and i had a first draft in the spring of um 2017 and it's gone through several drafts it was kind of me learning um screenwriting and mm-hmm. how to put my skills as a writer and as an actress really and understanding that um into writing form and i yeah bystanders exists now outside of my head (laughs) so it's been it's been really fun to finally see all the bloodshed happen in real time and i'm there's on and off camera on and off camera (laughs) like yeah we've uh there's just so much blood everywhere (laughs) Um, but no, everybody, uh, our production designer was like, Hey, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone get, get as excited to be put in fake blood as you are. And like, he's like, I'm about it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And, um, it was like one of the, like when I was playing, because I figured I would wind up have to play that I would wind up playing Claire. Mm -hmm. Kill two birds with one stone and all that. And, and for, I know- for people who haven't, they don't, I mean, I've read two drafts of the screenplay. 
But who is Claire in this movie? Like, can you give the the rundown? So we're, we've been talking about bystanders yeah. multiple times in the show, but I don't know if we've ever just like said what the general idea oh, is of it. Okay. So, that's go- bad on me. Never <laughs> like because I'm like sitting here knowing and just like, uh huh. <laughs> this movie, Jamie. And then people are like, okay, this movie, Jamie talks about. Yep, yep, yep. Nope, so, that Jamie movie. <laughs> yeah, the Jamie movie. And it's not Halloween four or five. So no. yes, we uh. Um, but yeah, bystanders, the simple premise logline is a group of murderous frat boys get more than they bargained for, uh, when they run into a couple coming home from a wedding and that couple is Claire and gray. Um, and I play Claire, Mm -hmm. uh, also because I've been acting since I was nine. Um, so it's like, Hey, I know the character. I know everything. I might as well play Claire. Um, and I, I saw, I was like, I, I know it, it'll just be easier. It'll streamline a lot of stuff. And it did, um, which was good. It was one less body on set and I have done so much. (laughs) There's just so much, uh, limited space, uh, because, you know, indie filmmaking, we don't have the big sets and anything. So that, that really did help. And uh claire is i just think it's funny that you picked series seven because, uh, <laughs> it was a happy accident it was a happy accident because i watched this and i was like oh yeah this is my, this is extremely my kind of movie but also you have a pregnant woman killing people and i was laughing <laughs> because um you learn this this is not a spoiler really you learn this very early in the movie um like scene two like scene two i think mm-hmm. now um claire claire is pregnant she's in she's like two months pregnant um and she's not figured out quite how to tell gray and like obviously she's getting into some murdery stuff later um fighting for her life and um all that because these boys are awful vicious people and I was laughing. I was like, oh my gosh, you have pregnant lady in a situation that she shouldn't be in. <laughs> I was like, is this, did you pick, was this an accident or, and <laughs> it's a very happy accent, but I was, I was laughing. I was laughing so hard. I was like, yes. <laughs> that's something that like really, really annoys me is how people portray pregnant women in film um just women in general uh but like pregnant women uh they're like i've noticed a lot of them get really sidelined in plots and stuff right as active as i feel like they should be because or they're at the service of another character yeah Yeah. uh, and that's what i really i really liked about uh dawn was she's Mm -hmm. out there doing it and so uh yeah that was kind of my motivation behind Claire's pregnancy was, you know, mm-hmm. she's pregnant. Yeah. And I've told people that I've, t- I've talked to you about the, like I've, I've, you know, telling about this group. I was like, it's, it's a nasty little thing. Jamie's got a lot. <laughs> she's let loose on this one. Like it's a, it's a nasty little movie. Deservedly. So uh, yeah. where it's at, but it's, it is a, it does not hold back. It yeah. is mean. Um, but yeah, it's See, pretty. I was I was raised. Um, my mother is a huge horror fan, and my dad is a pretty much mm-hmm. a cinephile. 
as um, people will be like, oh, your parents are very cultured. Did they go to college? And people are, I'm like, no. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I, how did you wind up this way? And I'm like, I was like, there are cultured people from rural areas. Thank you. But my father's a, basically a cinephile. So mm-hmm. I was raised on lots of horror and lots of like these really interesting, like independent foreign films and stuff. And um, it was my dad that introduced me to the last half of the left. Yeah. We went to the wood and we, um, that was a big inspiration for this um, because I love, well, one, um, I love Wes Craven, rest in peace, King. Uh, but that was a big inspiration as well as just, um, I love when you watch a movie from like the seventies or the eighties and they were like, Oh, this is an exploitation film back in the day, but it's actually saying something very interesting about society or stuff. So I kind of took some cues from exploitation films um, as well when it comes to like no holds barred social commentary and just like absolute just out and out gross gritty violence um and i was like i feel like that is something that we could use a little more of in film like maybe we should return to a little bit to those um you know people are so they're so afraid of like depiction equals endorsement now because of the social media crowds and stuff and i'm like no it's just it's about you come up with fucked up shit in your head and you're like wouldn't that be awful and that's what they're saying. <laughs> and people are like, you think that's a, is that a fantasy of yours? Is watching? No, it's not. It's no, like, no. Like some of the stuff, know? some of the stuff that happens in bystanders is actually my worst fears. Right. Is I actually, like actually my worst fears and like, um, kind of like doing a, pulling a Shirley Jackson and taking the stuff that scares me of working right. with. Them. Yeah. Um, obviously they find Claire and Gray, they find Abby who Mm -hmm. is the young girl who these boys are hunting down uh, because there's that element there. There's some human hunting elements. Um, Mm -hmm. They are just these horrible, horrible human beings. They date rape these girls and then hunt them. And Claire and Gray, it's an unlikely trio is formed. Um, If you like that found family trope, you're going to love them um, mm-hmm. because here's the thing. I love gore and gritty violence and like very bleak stuff, but I also love human connection and you get a lot of that with uh, Gray and Claire, but you also get a lot of that with Claire, Gray, Claire and Abby. And they form this, this unlikely little trio of people. And it is, actually really beautiful and some of the moments like were difficult to shoot because Mm -hmm. of um the emotional content of it so i and i joke around a lot to try to help people feel more comfortable and uh you know when things are really tough that's hard sometimes and there are there's a scene in there that i just I'm actually crying. It's not uh-huh. like it's me actually crying. And I just, I tear up thinking about it 
because now I'm yawning too. So I'm <laughs> thinking about so it. So but... tired of talking about it. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm tired from grading. Oh gosh, I have a, I have a bunch of freshmen this semester. Mm. And, you know, there's like 40 of them, and I'm like, oh no. That's so many papers after reading grade day in and day out. But yeah, like it's really raw. And it was so wonderful to be in that vulnerable space and participate in that. Right. Also have just balls to the wall, violent, gory, mm-hmm. horrific this happening too so you you get a lot of emotional extremes in this and it's something that we explore some very difficult questions and about rape culture and toxic masculinity and what it means to just basically be a person in a society that is so chained to those gross systems and how um, they're perpetuated. Um, And it's, it's one of those things that it's going to be a difficult watch. There's by no means it's I, and I'll be the first person to tell you, this isn't not a movie that's going to be for everybody. Right. But it's a movie that I think is for somebody out there. And if I can make, one person feel a little less alone, a little less afraid, mm-hmm. a little, less, you know, like they are alone in this world. If I can make you feel seen through bystanders, then I've, I've done my job because I understand what it's like to feel like you just, you don't belong or you're bro- too broken to matter or like the stuff that's happened to you is just something that's tainted you beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my own experience mm-hmm. with uh, PTSD kind of went into Claire and Gray. And then you see Abby starting to grapple with the fact that she knows that this is some stuff that's going to haunt her for the rest of her life. And you see kind of Claire start giving her the support that she so desperately needs. And I really loved exploring Claire and Abby's bond with one another because it's so important to me because Claire's not that much older than Abby. She's maybe Mm -hmm. like years older than Abby at that point. Uh, Like uh, 10, 11 years older than her, but she's old enough that she's kind of got more vantage points. She's a longer uh, she's lived a bit longer and you kind of see them start to bond in this very um, wonderful sisterly maternal way. Like she's like, <clears throat> like I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. And that is so important. And Claire and Gray, they are some of my favorite characters I've ever written. And they have this wonderful bond that is very tender and I'm very interested in the dichotomy of that tenderness between mm-hmm. these characters and violence. And um, I, I that was something that I deeply wanted to explore. And it's something that I think I'm continuing to explore in other, um, in a, my other 
like writing projects and stuff, but that's something that I thought was um, important because that's the world's a lot like that. Mm -hmm. Because we live in a we live in a society. Oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, <laughs> we live in a society that where we have people that are capable of such wonderful tenderness and love and stuff. But there's also a lot of violence and a lot of nastiness. And sometimes there are people that both exist in. So we have a lot of duality going on. Um, so human nature and human duality and kind of masks and stuff. We play with that. And I'm trying so hard not to give. Oh, excuse me. I'm just going to yawn forever now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to give anything away, but like. Hopefully, um, when everybody finally gets to see it, we can dig deeper into the thematic. Is there, is there a goal target date for it? To is there a distribution yet, or it comes well, with it comes with distro um, attached to it, um, but we're not sure where it's going to land. With um, it could it's probably going to wind up streaming somewhere. So I'm hoping somewhere somewhere good. Where mm -hmm. a lot of people will see it because it's like, I let me share the the fruits of my fucked up brain with you. <laughs> uh, let me share the fruits of my let me um let me share the fruits of my fucked up brain with y'all and everybody else who you know joined in on this. I'm like, you know what, y'all are as fucked up as I am for wanting to make this. Let's go. <laughs> um. <laughs> So that was fun. Uh, just <laughs> people that were like, yeah, fake blood. Um, yeah, this practical. All the effects are practical, by the way. There uh, you go. That. Practical effects, man. And I, I lived for that. But it should sometime next year. Okay. I've I've not been told a date yet or anything. I'm kind of kind of waiting to hear some stuff. You know, you know how po post-production is weird. Yeah. Like you're just like, hey, it's there, and I'm just sitting here, and I'm not, I'm not really good at sitting and waiting because I want to do 50 billion things and yep, like get in there, and that I guess that says a lot about me, like as like somebody that is in the filmmaking realm is I'm like, yeah, let's get in and do it, and um, before you know it, you're covered in blood in a um, bridesmaid's dress in the middle of the woods in Kentucky. There you go. <laughs> And that 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 was pretty much my summer. I've joked a lot mm -hmm. about it. I said, "Yeah, I spent I spent my summer in the woods, covered in blood." Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, my friend Leslie has been calling it fake pregnancy summer camp because we lived oh. on we lived on set at the cabin, and it was kind of like summer camp. There you go. But it's fake pregnancy summer camp because uh, Claire's Claire's in a family way. So. Right there, you go. So she said, ah, fake pregnancy summer camp. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. I'm going to start calling it fake pregnancy summer so camp. How many weeks in the summer was it that you were shooting? Was it the entirety of? Okay. Uh, we had a week of pre-production. Okay. And then we had two weeks of shoot. And this was in July. We okay. um, we got there the, oh, no, the 10th. Okay. I think the 10th of July and like I did not leave till like almost the 1st of August. Okay. 
And then I had to go teach. I had to, and then I had to like two weeks and I had to go back and like teach college. There you go. Uh, so yeah. And it's like, you're coming back from one, one extreme to another. And it was very interesting to tell my students that I made a gory rape revenge film from my own screenplay with a bunch of people that were equally eager mm-hmm. for a rape revenge film. Right. But that's the thing. Like, I'm thankful that I have a lot of supportive, like, even the students, but like supportive, like coworkers and stuff. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, take on the patriarchy, take on toxic masculinity, take on rape culture. Um, because they're like, yeah, this is gory and violent, but like, she's really knows what she's doing with her themes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Thank God y'all have like my, uh, like y'all understand me and you're, <laughs> you, you get what I'm doing here. You right. get it. It's, uh, but like, yeah, coming back and like, I was like, hey, you you want to see a picture of me covered in blood? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. fake blood. Because, but um, like, it's 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 been weird. It's been really weird, but like not in a bad way. Yeah. Um, but like, it's nice to have those those spaces and everything where you know you can go do your creative. That's what I, one thing I like about um teaching mm-hmm. is you have your summer that you can go do your creative thing and then you can come back mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's true that's, that's what i'm trying to like uh, my previous episode uh, about the podcast it was talking about how a lot of us like look like we do cool stuff but we're still like working we're still yeah. like doing normal so like and i said that most of those people that you see online or they write for i write for a variety of like yeah a couple times and you're not making your living off of that like there's there are some people that are but most of the people that you like on x (laughs) so stupid or instagram or wherever or writing bylines at places that's not their living it's like it's their passion giving them a a cut some change in their pocket but like there's even people making films here like that's it's not their it's not their like They'd love it to be, but it's it's just not. We don't live in a world where everybody, because those things are, you're able to do them easier than it would have been decades ago. Yeah. It's not what we're doing. Like it's hard to, and you got to hustle. You got to love it, passion, and then people freak out because they're like, "Wait, you you have time to do that? Yeah, I fucking have time because I love doing it." Like, I will. So. I will make time to do it. Yeah. That, that's the thing. I was I was talking to my mom about mm-hmm. this. I was like you have to make time to do it. And sometimes that's difficult because like I get fatigued, obviously. Yeah. There you go. I get fatigued. This is the day. This is the day job, just the exhaustion and everything. Oh, Oh, (laughs) Poppy. There's a Poppy. Yeah. Her nail was hung in her car. Mm. Sorry, buddy. How did it, how did it feel when that press release went out with the pictures and stuff? (laughs) What'd you say? I cried. I thought you said pride. I was like, okay, there you go. Yeah, I said cried, cried, <laughs> but I also cried because I'm a, I'm a wiener and mm-hmm. I'll cry. I cry about everything. Sad, cry, happy, cry, angry, cry. Because so that went I, around to, where was the first place that reported it? Was it Dread, Central. Dread Central? And then like Bloody Disgusting picked it up and like all the, um, 
So, but next you'll have like a trailer, right? So I hope I'm, you're I'm gonna hoping. cry again with the trailer and yeah. even worse. Yeah, probably even. There worse. you go. There you go. I've, I won't lie. I I've I've cried in the weeks after because it's been so. Mm-hmm. It's been emotional for me because I've these characters have been with me for so long and just kind of kind of seeing them come. It's kind of like a weird morning kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, like, honestly, I was like, I didn't think I would ever see this day. And then it happened. Know. It felt fast. It felt fast. As many years as you spent it, like, I mean, you were told me off air a year ago that something's going to happen with us. Like I think, like, yeah. I was like, I was like, all right, cool. And I told some people, I like, I think that bystanders thing, you know, Jamie, that's off a show. I think, I think, it sounds like it's gonna gonna happen. I, and it has, so. and like now I'm just sitting sitting crying all the time about fucking Claire <laughs> <laughs> having to say goodbye. Having to say goodbye to Claire was hard. Mm-hmm. It was difficult, and now. It's just like kind of kind of mourning that, but also kind of really happy that I get to share her and all of them with you all. And like, I hope she gets to become like a Blu-ray or something on your shelf. So I know you're going probably streaming, but yeah, it's like the I made sure that we were getting physical, that we're mm-hmm. getting because that's something that's really stupidly important to me. Um, I love physical media, and I I needed I needed I needed. You know, I uh, I'm kind of uh, crew person on a, a place that uh, does have a film festival that shows things. So they're gonna pitch it. To, they're gonna pitch it to festivals, uh, from wow. what I what I understand. There's a, there's a film festival that's up. That's that's the, the big all the rage up and coming at the place called Popcon that happens. So. Just bring by, just bring bystanders everywhere. Just have bystanders. with awards. It has awards and stuff, so you could become an award-winning yes. film through that. Yes. If you, yeah, I would so. love. I would hell if we win awards for. I'm gonna cry again. There you I'm go. So I'm so proud of it. I'm proud of everybody, and it's just yeah. It's yeah. it's. Well, I, I know a lot of people that know that we all we all know you through like podcasting and like online and stuff. Like I'm very, very, very tickled and happy for you about this. Like when I when I said uh, when I said on the the episode a couple of weeks ago with uh, Sabina Graves and I and I said I was having you on. We're gonna talk bystanders, and she got like visibly like excited for you about that. And I know like Molly Henry's very excited for you about that. So like. And a lot of pe- others as well. So we're very, very excited to that it's just done. We don't even need to see it. We will, but yeah. the fact that it happened is like that's we're very, very happy for you with that. That's exciting. And I love you all so much. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just trying. To- <laughs> I was on set trying not. Like sometimes I had to go to go by myself and well, yeah, cry. Like, this is really happening. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. I have and. Poor Callie, Callie Kirk, who is like been my rock from day one. She's like my kid sister. She plays mm-hmm. Brie. She did my hair and makeup. She made me look so f- flawless for somebody that was covered in blood. And mm-hmm. like, 
I I would go. I'd be in a room with her, and I'd just start bawling. She'd be like, "Oh, Jamie, no!" <laughs> there I go. I was like, "No, it's not a bad cry. It's a happy cry." Blood, sweat, and tears. Yes. Yeah, because I've just been like, and then sometimes I wanted to cry, and I couldn't really cry because I was. I'm on so much allergy medication right uh-huh. now that like sometimes it's like I want to cry and I'm tearing up, but it's not coming. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it, 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 there's a lot of, and that's the thing. I'm an emotional person. I put, I always put myself 100% into everything I do. And I love just throwing myself into things and just giving it my all. And people are probably like, oh my God, calm down. You you don't need to be this much. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how to be anything else. I love what I do and I'm so passionate about it and I said you know bystanders even I was like it's one of those things I know it's mine I know I'm biased but I love it there and you go I love you should I love seeing people love what they do and stuff mm-hmm. and that's probably why I love Mike Flanagan so much there you he, go he, he always seems like he's so happy to be like yeah this is my thing and I'm so proud of us all and I was like the, I I understand that I understand that completely mm-hmm. and just just the lo- the love I have for it is something that has sustained me over the years when we didn't know what the hell was happening mm-hmm. and it's it's been something that a lot of love brought us here and like I love having people to share that with there you and. Go that understood that and loved that project as much as I do and people that really love it like the the crew and the cast and stuff um it's been it's been good it's been a ride yeah it's been a ride it's everything's a ride like mm-hmm. everything's emotional and weird and like yeah like having PTSD and doing stuff doing anything escape mm-hmm in and of itself but i'll say it's worth it because doing the scary stuff is worth it um because i was like i'm i'm terrified to do this like the the urge to self-sabotage sometimes right just because you're afraid of stuff going wrong or getting hurt or something is that always at an all-time high and uh i was like i'm not Mm self-sabotaging um doing this this is what i've always wanted this is this is it this is what i'm supposed to do and i had like never felt so sure of myself in my life mm-hmm. and like playing claire like i was i was in a, my element um my anxiety was so like i was calm playing claire which was which is funny uh it's the in between when i would go to my room and cry where i was a mess but like when i was actually on set playing claire oh my god like i was calm like I was, calm. Yeah. I'd never, I'd never felt more confident in my life, and I was like, "Geez, like, who is, who, who am I, who am I?" Right. Like I felt like I was more the person that I should be all the time, and I'm like, "What the, what the hell?" So I mean, I kind of, kind of, like, can credit Claire to like getting a little bit of my confidence back that there you I go. Thought. 
lost like over the years to like, you know, just life and everything. And like, I just, and like saying goodbye to her, that was, that was emotional. Yeah, I bet. I bet. It was a character on the page that you had with you for so many years too. And probably in your head before that. So yeah, she's just, she's been with me a long time and to play her. It was an honor, mm-hmm. was an honor to see her through to the very bloody end of it literally and figuratively (laughs) like she's um and like that's the thing i'm gonna carry him with me forever because it's like as i've said i was like they're my babies they're my baby now they're captured on digital i was gonna say celluloid but nope they're probably they were digital i was like i was like (laughs) oh i remember i was like i remember the the cards and stuff (laughs) i was like Though I think filming on film would be interesting at some yeah. point. Some yeah. point, like I'm not, we're, I'm not there yet. I'm like, yeah. too much money for me. Um, I want to point out too, uh, interesting circumstance this week. So I'm doing uh, a lot of research here for uh, out now with Aaron and Abe's uh, Halloween or their horror specials that run this month that we're doing. Um, yeah. gl- global horror. Trust me, this relates. Um, and uh, so it's on. Monday, I is it Monday or Tuesday. It's one of these days. Oh no! Wait, it was like Tuesday, I think. Yeah, I watched this movie, and I was it's for, from South Korea, and it's a movie I've been dying to see for a long time because the um, the the synopsis gripped me, and it had uh actress in it named Yeonjin Kim, who I was big on back in the day. She was on Lost, if you remember. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeonjin Kim. There's a movie, because she was big South in South Korea, um, and the people on Lost liked her and brought her over to America to to be on Lost. And there's this movie, it was called Diary of June. And you couldn't find it on DVD back in the OOs. And apparently it did get one later, after I kind of lost track of it. And I was like, during this special, I'm like, I'm going to go back and get Diary of June can't find it can't find it there's a blu-ray overseas there's not gonna be time to get it it's not streaming anywhere of course found it digging title card that came up was an alternate title bystanders that's what it was what what the i love that yeah it's called and it made sense with the the film I, I won't. You have to watch the film to understand. Like you have to, it comes into what the turn is, but uh, of the film. But uh, Diary of June's a good title too. It makes sense with. It makes sense of. Uh, it's more so less based on what the the reveal is as opposed to um, what it is. But I was, and it was a. It was all right. It was years of hype for me in my head. Um, it was hard to hard to best up. With the fun, I thought it was really funny. It was called Bystanders on the cut I watched. You just watch that and you just like, huh? Just have that. that Nothing like what you uh, got going on, but um, some sim- I mean, maybe there's some similarities, but yeah, the, like, this is hey, more of a movie in the vein of like a Seven Silence of the Lambs type thing. But yeah. so it's it's more low key and less, you know. Like there's just so much blood. <laughs> right, right. I had I had fake blood on me for days. Yeah. Like we had the. Do you like wake up in the middle of the night and put some on you and then go back to sleep? Be like, no, it was awful. Like, we had the we had like the fancy like ex, like the ex, the good expensive uh-huh. makeup blood, the, and it didn't like come off all the way. So okay. I 
had blood on me constantly, just about. Jeez. And what made it worse was sometimes when we had to shoot like an earlier scene, um, there we go. I had to exfoliate it off of me. Mm. Um, we were all trying to get the blood off of every one of us. It's like, <laughs> like you had the, like I was in there getting blood off me and you'd have some of the boys like stick their head in. It's like, Hey, you got any micellar water? <laughs> and, it, and it's like, yes, we do. Um, uh, cause all the ladies, we, we came prepared. Gotcha. We came prepared for that, for that kind of stuff. Makeup, fake blood. Mm-hmm. We can, we can get it off of you. There you go. Um, we came prepared, but yeah, it's like, what do you mean? There's not fake blood all over everything. Gotcha. <laughs> I, it's like, people are going to be like, what is this movie about? And it's like, I'm going to be as vague as possible other than, you know, um, like about the plot points and the kills and everything in it. Gotcha. And like what happens to us. Cause it's something, this is one of those movies that you, you want to know the, um, again, like the, the basics, like these frat boys are date raping and hunting these off mm-hmm. the young girls and they're awful people. And then, Claire and Gray kind of get roped into it accidentally. Um, And of course I want people to know the basics of it going in because it is deeply triggering content. And I don't, I don't want people coming into that, not knowing because Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not one of those people that I'm like, yeah, just going completely blind. Like don't go in completely blind. Um, but go in knowing as little as possible mm-hmm. um, because there is, and then we'll have a discussion later. We'll have a discussion later, everybody. I, I cause I want to talk about it. I want to talk about how we have all these themes about justice. What is justice? Um, is justice something that's even attainable? Um, retribution, revenge, uh, revenge, not completely absolving, a person of their trauma because it's not. And right. that's, um, so there's, there's a lot, there's a big discussion to be had when this movie drops and it is, there's also the discussion of what our society does to men, because here's the thing, men that don't, because Gray's character doesn't kind of perfect. He doesn't fall in line with the patriarchal standard of what a man should be. So Mm -hmm. he's victimized by toxic masculinity via his own father. Um, So we have, there's some interesting discussions about gender and society at play stuff that I very carefully kind of wanted to craft over the years. Um, And it's fine. It's why it was wild to see some of it happening in real time because I was like, What the what the hell? This is <laughs> this was in my head like two right. hours ago. This just existed in my head, and now here we are. People are living it out in front of me. And we are yeah. living it out. We are covered in fake blood. Um people are being drugged across uh the forest floor. I'm crawling across it. Mm-hmm. Wild. It's wild, and I don't want to do any the like. That's the thing. I was like, "Dang, I don't. I I want to do more of this. I want to do more of this." And I hope that we all, all of us, 
that joined in on bystanders get to have more awesome opportunities. But I was like, I hope that I hope we all get to do more of this. And I hope that I get to do more of it and that everyone else gets to do more of it. Cause I met so many great people and I was like, damn, like I, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I was like, I want... Yeah. Well, many like, of us are very excited to see it too. <laughs> we can't wait to see what it is yeah. as well. I, I sound like, I sound like just a, a blubbering mess, but like, I just, I have so many just stupidly gotcha. just, complex overwhelming overflowing feelings and it's um yeah it's just it's been something i have oh and like we we have the shot because emily found um my friend emily who everybody is aware of um she uh the poster she made for the screenplay when we were just entering it in festivals Mm -hmm. and stuff we have a shot that looks Almost exactly like that poster. Oh, that's cool. And I took a picture of the monitor and I sent it to Emily. And like, it was crazy emotional Mm -hmm. because Emily had sent me like earlier, like that day where it had been three years since she had made that, that day. And that night night we shot that. And I said, said, Emily, it's, it's real. It's real. And like, it's it's real. And it's just, it was so great to be able to share that with her because like, she's been on board since I was just, she went, actually went back and found some of the messages where I had first told her about Claire and Gray and like the idea of bystanders and everything that it, it became. And she um, was showing me that. And like, <laughs> here I am, just, just, we just kind of, she went and found that and she sent those to me and she was like, Hey, I found where, um, now I'm just rubbing my <laughs> napkin. That's all. <laughs> Emily's like, Hey, here's a napkin. And I, she sent those to me and, um, just, <sighs> we've come so far Uh we've come so far and everybody that has believed in this and found joy in it um way before we were rolling in the fake blood there you go i just i'm so thankful to everybody and thank you brandon Uh (laughs) i was getting emotional earlier because i was like you were one of the first people to kind of take some interest in it and Uh ask like it's it's been it's so great to just be sitting here just halfway just crying um and wearing the hoodie wearing the hoodie in my hoodie that i had that emily designed these (laughs) emily designed (laughs) uh yeah and i bought that when i bought this when we uh got uh greenlit (laughs) Mm -hmm. there you go yeah awesome well we still i mean it still has to come out we still can talk more then when it arrives yeah, as well i'm gonna be talking about it till the day i die and All hope, right. hopefully in the future we'll have more stuff to like happy cryos <laughs> maybe you can make it a prequel by stander my dad <laughs> my, don't you say that brandy because my dad was like jamie i want a prequel and i'm like dad dad he's like i want a prequel and i'm like daddy 
father. And then you make a third one, another bystander. I don't know. Uh, I could come up with those all day. But all right. Buy to stander. Huh? To buy, buy to stander. To buy to stander. You got to. By standard Tokyo Drift, you know. <laughs> Get it going. Get it going. And then the, they have the baby, though. So there's a car seat in the back. Well, mm. they're, to- they're doing the Tokyo Drift. Yeah. No, the baby's doing Look who's bystander now. Or something. <laughs> who's bystander, too. God, I love it. God, I love it. Oh, the bystander. That's the reboot. The, oh, by- the bystanders. You put the the in there. It's like, oh, this is the... This is the reboot, so. It is the reboot. Like, oh. <laughs> All right. Well, you ready to move on to Series 7? To talk yes, about I... a movie that's not yours? And we'll... Uh... <laughs> it has a, lot, has a lot in common with mine in a weird way. Yeah. yeah I, right. loved, I loved it, though. I loved it. Okay. So, Series 7, uh, which I refuse to call Series 7 The Contenders, because I know it is just Series 7. The, the contender stuff is part of the movie. Yes, folks, I know. But as a movie title, it was always <laughs> Series 7 to be. Everyone gets a number at birth. Your number comes up. They know where you live. They come in the night. We're here to help you. Bearing gifts. You can't do this. Now all you have to do is stay alive. It's kill or be killed. I'm going to win. Meet the contenders. Dawn, Jeff, Connie, Lindsay, Tony, Franklin. Just watch your back, because Tony's coming. One will win. I'm a survivor. The rest will die. What happened? Series 7. Just thought I'd look these people up, you know, psych them out. The highest rated series in television history. I hate you! Just got too big for your living room. There's a bomb in your house, and it's going to blow in about five, four, three, two, one. They're real people. I'm going to catch you, Connie! In real danger, in a fight for their lives. Can you shut that off, please? There's not enough light. Yeah, well, why don't you go first, then? All right, now I can't see anything. It's too hot for TV. Innocent people are going to get hurt here. And it's coming to a theater near you. That means you assholes. Oh my God, they're here. Let them in. Please let them in. The game is real. I saw you on TV. I love you. Directed and written by Daniel Minahan, starring Brooke Smith, Glenn Fitzgerald, Mary Louise Burke, Merritt Weaver, Michael Kacek, Donna Hanover. And if you get all the way to the end, you get to see Will Arnett after hearing him the whole movie and going, hey, guys, Will Arnett. Is that Will Arnett? It might not be Will Arnett. It's Will Arnett. Uh, I was sitting there listening and I was like, is that fucking Will Arnett? And then I go Google and I'm like, that's fucking A little baby face Will Arnett shows up. (laughs) Uh, so a reality TV program selects people at random to kill one another for fame and their freedom. So this movie, uh, I first took note about it because the trailer on the DVD. So there's USA Films, which does I don't think it exists anymore. Like the remember the you know the TV network USA. They tried to get in the film game, independent film game, like around the time. I think uh, like you know Miramax became really big and all these like Fox Searchlight, all these all these places. The movie Traffic, the Steven Soderbergh movie, was one of their films. 
I rented that on DVD or VHS, and the trailer for this was on there. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is wild. And then I, at a video store I rented it, I saw it. I'm like, that's that weird, like, I don't know what this is, the pregnant woman shooting people at the convenience store movie. Like, I'm going to see that. I, I fell in love with this movie instantly. Like, I was like, this is amazing. This is, um, oddly enough, both perfect of its time and ahead of its time because oh. because this movie, the concept and shooting of this movie predates the mm-hmm. phenomenon of Survivor and other things. Like, it's insane oh. because you feel like it's a reaction to Survivor yeah. and it's also talking about other things. Uh, uh, you know, reality would boom in the OOs big yeah. time. But the fact, it, it's just strange. It's one of those strange things like, Wag the Dog, that mm. movie was made before the Monica Lewinsky scandal, but it looks like a reaction or being informed by it. It's, it's like there's some stuff that's just so weirdly prescient. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I love talking about stuff like this in lit classes because I'm like, it almost seems prophetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are people that are so good at reading people and reading social trends that you yeah. Like Octavia Butler was one of those people too. Like she, like some of her books, like read, like it's in reaction to what's happening today. Right. And um, yeah, it, that really did. Cause I was like, Oh my God. Like, I, I like if somebody had told me it was Ma- like, if I had no idea who Merritt Weaver was and what right. she was now, um, <laughs> And everything, like, if you had told me, like, um, this was made, like, right now, I'd believe you. I'd yeah. believe like, It's, like, the commentary was on point, and it it aged. Like, yeah, it I still have, works. Like, it it, aged. I mean, they don't have our technology, but you can take yeah. it as a period piece. It works. Um, yeah. The, the guy, so Dan, Daniel Minahan, he pitched this as a TV series, is what he wanted. Um oh. He uh, so at Sundance, there's apparently a program where you get a like, what do they call it? I got it. Hold on, it is called the Director's Lab, and it's where they get to like take a script and shoot scenes from it over the weekend at Sundance with people. And he did that with this one and had Brooke Smith because I think she was attached to it from writing with him, um, with him. But this had uh, different scenes from me, but John Slattery's in it. The, the the one, like a young John Slattery, uh, he plays Jeff's husband. So Jeff's like full on gay in the, the director's lab one where they just shoot, they shoot scenes is what they do. Just kind of visualize them and maybe sell them to somebody at Sundance. Yeah. And um, Tim uh, Guinea, who you've seen probably in some things, he plays Jeff in it. Uh, and they did stuff like a hospital scene. They they did a call in the kill scene. Um they have a scene that, like, so Brooke Smith in one of the scenes goes to kill someone in the hospital, which I think is supposed to be Tony. And, yeah. like, something happens. She can't do it. And the cameraman does it. And then they reshoot it to make it look like. So they show kind of the fakery of the, the reality show. But that's something that didn't, it didn't make it into the final, like, script uh-huh. and cut here. Um, so he shot that. People were interested, but they kept telling him, like, can we make this kind of like Ally McBeal? And they started wanting to soften things up. And he's like, if I want to make this my way, 
I, I got to just do it on my own. And that's what, that's what happened here. And I mean, you see these people, you know, but at the time, Brooke Smith's the only person that you, that would be oh, of some stature, but cause she was in silence of the lambs, but she wasn't quite Brooke Smith. I'm on Grey's Anatomy. I'm on this show type Brooke Smith. Like she was still like, she's a big get for an indie film and she'll take it's for a lead role. She'll probably like, I'll do it for free, you know? Um, too. And she kills it too here. Yeah. Uh, so, then this became this indie film that I found out about and I have preached on for you know a long time and I just I always I always get curious to see if it's streaming. It's never streaming, it's never talked about. So this one would actually classify, I think, turn of the century as a true cult classic. I know yeah. cult, cult classics are weird nowadays because we're so aware of anything, everything, but this one doesn't come up enough. Oh yeah. And- like I had never heard of it. And like when I watched it, I was like, why the fuck have I never heard of this? I, <laughs> like I loved it. Like I was, te- I was texting Emily uh, while I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, this is the most me. <laughs> this is me- This is a very me movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. It's wild. Cause you, you, it's darkly comedic. It's funny. The drama's engaging. The characters are good. It's, technically yeah. amazing for how low budget this probably was and he's like i'll just shoot on video because that'll look like a reality it, show it looks like it looks good it looks like how it should look mm-hmm. yeah like, i told like i bought the reality show element of it like yeah 100 percent. it was just like the confessionals and the top like and this is before like this is before that whole uh Christopher Guest type thing becomes a reality with like the office and parks and recreation and modern family and what we we're still doing it with what we do in the shadows. The, um, the, cause Christopher Guest, you know, he made the, you know, he was in Spinal Tap, but then he goes on to make Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, all those Mighty Wind. And then that translates like TV takes that from it and makes these fake documentary comedies this is before that this this is getting shot i think around 99 is when they shot this and like that's just not so this would be like a hard christopher guest movie at the time like this is something like that but taking it to a next level making it like it's not a document it's not a fake just a fake documentary it's like you're watching a marathon of a season of television as a movie and they they really sold that element perfectly because mm-hmm just one of one of my favorite things about it was the the them teasing the like what's net will oh yeah 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 like like it like an actual like cheesy reality show thing Mm -hmm. yeah oh my god i just i just i loved it and one of those like it really hit like that kind of early aughts nostalgia thing yeah 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 there but in a good way mm-hmm. um and still just the fact that the fact that this is not a more recent thing though because mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's in like conversation with all this stuff but it's like no it's like it's predicting it yeah it's predicting it like he really because i looked up that he came up with the idea when he was uh producing television yeah the reality to you he was linked to reality television in the 90s so it's a different world of it at so, time. so yeah so he's just like right in the hotbed of it and he's just kind of seeing it like oh this is where i think this trend's gonna go i mean and- he's probably informed by like 
the road rules in real world at the time. Yeah. Not Survivor, not yeah. The Hills. Like, yeah. It's just, and it's brilliant. And honestly, I, God, like, this is one of those movies that's like, somebody like put this in, put this out on like a steel book, like a really nice Blu ray edition. Yeah. So. I, yeah. That's, I would love, um, I, you know, it's, I just remember, I, I, uh, I was at a horror hound convention one time. I was, it's where I met, uh, I was meeting to talk with, uh, Audrey Lane, who's been on the show here before. Uh, at first time I met her, but uh, I was standing there waiting and Brooke Smith was at this one. And I was like, so I didn't want to bug her. And I didn't want to be like, go up and like, you want a picture of what? But like, I wanted to be like, can I tell you about series seven and how that's like the great, cause I don't know if anybody goes to tell her about that. Um, and because she's brilliant here, like she is huh. incredible. Like it's like it's so good. <laughs> it's so I'm, it carries the movie. It's the heart of the movie, and it's just it's incredible. Her, her character, like I instantly loved her character. Like I instant, like she is bizarre, but she's so believable, and she's so freaking human too. Mm-hmm. So she's put through a lot. So let's do let's do this. Let's uh, I'm going to start okay. So this movie's concept is there's a lottery system and mm-hmm. it picks seven was it six or seven people? I can't wait. Well, hold on. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, six people. There's mm-hmm. a returning champion which is Dawn. Um but it picks six people in a random town. They're given a handgun and they got to kill each other like till there's one left. And that person moves on to the next season of the show. Like, uh, it's like Shirley Jackson, but yeah. for the, for the, you know, for the, yeah, for the Hunger Games set. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. The lottery. The lo- uh, Yeah, it's the lottery. Yeah, exactly. Um, the classic, classic concept. Um, yeah. So, Dawn is our lead, and she is the returning champion from seasons five and six. What we're watching is series seven. Oh, the title, right? Um, The show is called The Contenders. We're watching the series seven of The Contenders, um, and she is pregnant, and she and and the way she carries herself, like like just tired. Having to like all this stuff, and then they drop her in this one. So if she wins this one, she's done. She doesn't have to play anymore. Like if she wins, but they drop her in her hometown, and that's shitty. <laughs> but they're like drama, um, where she's gonna have to revisit her mother, or that she's been run- she ran away from home, like a strange her mother and sister, seeing yeah. her old town, and then there's another contender there named Jeff, who is a, an artist. Uh, who's married and dying of testicular cancer, which mm-hmm. is funny because they show these diagrams and stuff of TikTok. T- <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. Yeah, and his- they show the fingers <laughs> dipping in the balls. <laughs> and his <laughs> paintings, his paintings kill me too. Yeah, and he's like this peace-loving guy, but all he watches is like action, like like violent movies. Yeah. But there's this mystery of like Don's like stalking him around. There's something weird about it, but you find out that. Jeff and Dawn were high school lovers and they um she got pregnant had an abortion back then and then he left her and said he thinks he you know he might be gay or <laughs> something like that. Uh I like the way she delivers that. She's like he said he might be gay. I 
that whole part and then it goes to him and they're like do you want to comment on this <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to um comedy gold yeah it's comedy yeah. gold right there so there's yeah yeah Jeff, and jeff's wife is just like she, it's, it's like she knows she wasn't first choice of no. anything and she's doing what she can she wants to just be she was this she's probably a woman that just wanted to get married so bad that wherever she could rope in um she's that she's she really is like there's always that sad woman from your hometown and mm-hmm. that Gloria. Yeah. i was like oh my god yeah, they really they really leaned into that hometown drama stuff. Yeah, because it's like Connecticut, I think, is where it takes place. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jeff's got this whole thing, and they had the oh, the, I love the. This is where I first ever heard Joy Division's "Love Will Tear Us Apart." I didn't know of the song till this movie, so I always tie it to this movie. And they made this like the silly goth cure video for it I that is it. amazing. I loved, I loved it. I was like, you know what? That's good shit. I was, yeah. I was watching it. I was like, I, you know, I know that they're making fun it's of it. On, it's on the nose stuff, yeah. but it works so well. Like uh, it's fun. It's so fun. Yeah. And like him talking about their connection. Like it's so like purposely cheesy, but it comes mm-hmm. off so heartfelt though, in the weirdest way, because they're talking about their connection, like nobody else really understood us. And mm-hmm. like you really get that these were just two really lonely people that actually got each other. And it's kind of sad that they fell apart. And now Mm -hmm. it's even sadder because he's dying. She's pregnant Mm -hmm. and they have to kill each other. (laughs) So messed up. Cause I was like, when I, I, again, text Emily, I was like, Oh no, we have the love story element now. Cause I, I love a good, weird love story thrown in the middle of everything because everything's against them. Yeah. Adds to the drama. It adds to the drama. Well, they have different instances too, where Jeff tries to like his his wife tries to poison him to death, and the, and the show <laughs> the show is like uh 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 uh, and then when he decides he wants to live, but he's still dying. Like it's like what are you doing, dude? And yeah, yeah, uh, like, he's falling. He's falling apart. Like so. We have other contenders too. Those are the main story, but we have Connie, who's a 57 year old nurse and she's a religious zealot oh and she is God. the ultimate foil to every, like she is ruthless in this and, you know, funny to her, like she's the one like enough of this nonsense. She just wants to get through with it, but plays by the rules and things and can't kill a pregnant woman who's going into labor. You know, that's. She's holding a gun on her, but she's like. She's like, well, I'll I'll help you, but then you're just like, and it's the funniest. It is like mm-hmm. one of the funniest performances. Like just the way and she's she, unhinged too. It's oh, so good. So unhinged, like she has like these like absolutely dastardly machinations, and then it's just this cute little older woman. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Like there's she's smoking and like <laughs> praying on the rosary at one point. Oh. Um. Oh my god! And her confessions. Oh, her her. Uh, yes, and I had impure thoughts about that one television personality. Yep. Uh. I'm just I'm losing it because it's, she just and it's played so straight. It mm-hmm. is so dryly and so perfectly that it just it killed me. It killed. Right. Me. Uh. The, okay. So then we also have. T- Tony, 
who's a 39-year-old married unemployed asbestos remover. And he is basically, he looks like, this is crazy because this is before The Sopranos. And he looks like he's some knockoff Sopranos goon. And he's not. Um, And it's. Oh God! He uh, he stabbed himself in the back somehow. Yeah. Like, what the? Well, he he kidnaps his kid to try to like oh. run away, get out of the game because he's like all like all fired up, but then he's a coward at the huh. end of the day. Um, and we also have uh, Franklin, who's a seventy-two-year-old retired man, lives in a trailer park. Which in deleted scenes we find out he foils up the inside of his uh trailer park and is basically like. Um, very similar to Saul's brother in Better Call Saul, where he thinks he's got like that microwave, like illness or whatever, and, and they oh. cut those scenes. Uh, where, uh, and uh, then we have Lindsay, played by Merritt Weaver, eighteen-year-old uh, student, which is crazy. Which I always knew her from this, and like when she showed up and things like. Um, yeah, because but- when she popped up, I was like, I know her. Because my mom watched uh, Nurse Jackie like religiously mm-hmm. and loved it. And she was on uh, Walking Dead for a bit as well, too. Like, yeah, I hated that. I hated when she died because, like, my parent, my like, my parents, my mom loves her, and like, mm-hmm. she was on, uh, the miniseries Godless. She was really good on that. Oh, yeah. Like, she's great in it. And yeah. you know, like, she's like one of those actors that, like, yeah, she's not quite a household name, which yeah. is stupid that she's not um but like you just you know that you're in good hands you know this performance is gonna get like it's gonna it's gonna be good and it's a good character too like i really like as much as she doesn't have a lot like it's it's a lot of focused on like her parents pushing her to do this rooting her on and being like <laughs> i'm sorry but them just the go go go, go. And then getting mad at her for not killing him and like getting her stuff. And then I like my boyfriend gave half the money for my, my bulletproof vest. And then she sleeps with her boyfriend and the like uh the dad comes in on them. And she's like, What? And she's just like she's like she knows she ha- she realizes she has power at one point over everybody that's yeah, in her in her circle. Yeah. So just she's Oh my god! Like it is really, honestly, one of the funniest pictures of like the overbearing parent thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I and so funny. So it should not be that funny, but it is funny. And like when she goes to the mall and she, they're like, she goes, "I'm a contender." Yeah, and then they're like, "Go ahead, go ahead." Yeah, I'm a yeah because she's carrying. And they're like, "I'm a contender." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's oh gosh, and that mall sequence is a, a whole turn of events because it's a setup. Oh yeah, and and everything. Um, and then, then you just kind of realize that, like, yeah, Dawn's kind of ruthless and everything, but Dawn's like not. She's not a heartless piece of shit because she's like trying to warn Lindsay that she's getting ready to get clocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it wasn't in time, and like you kind of you kind of start. Like you, you get so many facets of Dawn, and like she just—I love her toying with other ones. Where she goes to Connie, well, she tries to kill her, ever come out, <laughs> and then she taunts Tony, yelling at him, "Hey, yeah. coming town, whatever." For calling him, and everything that mm-hmm. killed—that killed me. That killed me. Like she's like, I'm intimidating them. I'm intimidating them, and then I'm going to kill them. Yeah. Like she's, oh, 
she's like, you know, there's just some characters that I'm like, you are a perfect character. I had, I had that, that moment watching. I was like, Dawn, Dawn is perfect. Mm -hmm. Dawn is 100% perfect. Uh, this care, like just, just chef's kiss. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's the best way to, and again, her backstory is so freaking sad. Like when she Mm -hmm. goes and visits her mother and her sister and it is, so depressing it's mm-hmm. so sad because she's just she wants them to take her baby in case yeah. something like happens to her yeah. like she's like it's a moment of humility for her and they just completely are just still just hung up on the past and right don't still don't give a shit and it's just like no no wonder she has nothing to do with y'all like mm-hmm. what's it yeah, it was it, it, it just like it's one of those moments that people wouldn't would be like, I don't expect this from something this dark and satirical, but it was perfect. Yeah. And the the little niece being like, I I've seen you. I've seen you on television. I love you. <laughs> I've watched you kill people. I love you. Kill people, I love you. <laughs> that was, I love that. I love that so much because it's like. It's like, yeah, your sister's tried so hard to keep herself and her kids from you, but like, not she didn't really mm-hmm. expect it to end. It's so funny. Yeah, like still idolizes the quote unquote fuck up aunt, right? Yeah, still idolizes the fuck up aunt. And I'm like, ooh, that serves you right. There you go. Oh. But God, like, there's just so much. There's so many good parts to this movie, mm-hmm. like. The, the the labor scene when Don goes oh into- yeah and Connie's and- like gotta help yeah yeah and the baby's breach it's like this movie runs on like the weirdest sector of chaos theory everything that can go wrong will go wrong mm-hmm. but not the way you're expecting at all yes yeah uh, I do love like so like that when they kill somebody they have to like call it in and they have like Connie and she's on a payphone and she's got like hit eighty <laughs> buttons and I'm like someone could knock her off as she's trying to call you could get killed as you're trying to enter a kill in because it's so long to do which I, I get it it's the joke but still it's it's really funny that they do that it's so dang funny and like I I really love the camera guys getting in the way of everything oh yeah, yeah. do you want to get shot what are you doing. <laughs> I was like, I wanted her to shoot him. That's what I was. I was like, go ahead, just do it at this point. Cause he just and then her screaming at her own cameraman when she's in the hospital with yeah. him. She's like, get out of <laughs> Which again, that's a, that's another wonderfully human dawn mm-hmm. moment. Like she's there comforting this woman. Like, you need to give her some space. She didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Like she, like, like Dawn just one hundred percent just I, I think she's well. Bad. It's like the the reality of the people. It's, it's sad because there's people there filming and recording audio. Like, help, <laughs> you know? Like they just sit and observe. Like they're not there. It's just like my uh my friend uh uh my friend Sean Burris who used to have a he had a, a ghost hunting show. One of those ghost hunting shows on A and E, and um. He's going around. He's trying to show people the bullshit of them now because he's like they always try to make you think it's, it's you know 
me and and so and so and so and so, and then these two this ca- two camera guys going in to check a haunted place. He's like, "Here's us. Here's who's all there." And it's like thirty people going into these like quiet haunted places that like thirty you know, people, it's yeah. thirty other people and a ghost. Yep, and a ghost gonna come out. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of the thing with this too, if you think about it uh, as well. Well, she's going to labor and they're just like filming it. It's like yeah. help, asshole. Yeah, like there, and she has to hold open her birth, like her vagina, literally, like the so the baby doesn't freaking die. Mm-hmm. And then there they are, just filming it, and you're just like, do something, right? Oh, um, which that I think that makes the one scene at the end a little bit sweeter mm-hmm. when they turn on them. Yeah, I so I love this finale. Like the, when they, I, they go to the football field. And the funniest thing is over the PA speakers, they play Level Terrace Apart because it comes yeah. down. Only Don and Jeff are left, and Jeff doesn't want to die. He's decided he doesn't want to die because she she was mm-hmm. supposed he was supposed to let her kill him, and she he decides he has a renewed sense of life with whatever he's got left, and um, so they they then set this big at their high school football field and they play Level Terrace Apart from the video there. And you can just imagine the messy producer. Yep. Yep. This is what I wanted. Yes. They wanted it. They were hoping it would happen. Because a finale of Don versus Tony's not cool. Don versus Franklin. Now, nope. Um, It's this. And it was funny because now I think about the oldest person killed the youngest person in this. Because Franklin killed Lindsay. He's 72. She was 18. I'm like, that's funny. Um, But... Then they turn on him and said, "Ah, uh-uh, we're not doing this." And then they go take a movie theater hostage, yeah. which is funny because all the movie theater people start cheering about it, and they're like, "Or like, if you don't do this, we're gonna kill everybody." And they start cheering, and they're like, "That means you, idiot!" <laughs> like this is like, she's like, "That means you assholes." But like the funny thing is, when the cameras go down and they have to do the reenactment. Oh my god! That's and- so funny. That was, and the wigs, and the... And um, the way Will Arnett comes like a game show Will host, Arnett and everybody's and like, Whoa! Yeah. Oh, gosh. Gosh. And, it's oh. So funny. And it, it, oh, my God. Like, and when they have the dramatic standoff, like, is, is Don going to kill him? Mm-hmm. going to kill her? And then... Yeah. Gloria comes back. Yeah, and it's funny because she goes to jail for this, but if you're on the contenders and kill somebody, you're fine. She killed a contender who could have died anyway, but she goes to jail for it, which is hilarious. What's even funnier is she doesn't say what she did wrong. Yeah. She doesn't say what she did. wrong what she did that was so wrong and it's like yeah in the context of this i'm like you're like i don't know what you did wrong either but also like man that was but your motives were kind of fucked up yeah yeah because it was it wasn't like oh i'm just gonna kill her and save my husband who is dying it was jealousy like right Mm mm-hmm like Doria had some issues. Well, she showed like, yeah, you can have him. He's probably gay, any- or he's gay anyway. So yeah, and then she comes back and's like, oh, I can't, or oh, kill, kill her, kill yeah. her. 
Well, and two, like, and then at the end, uh, they they preview series eight, and then they have the returning champion, which is Jeff has lived. Jeff has lived against all. Like he has been, he has. He has tried to commit suicide yep. so many times over the course of this movie and cannot get Can himself die. killed. He's got cancer that's supposed to be taking his life and he can't get killed. Yeah. Um, and and what's bad is we all know there are just some people that have so many near-death experiences. You're just like, mm-hmm. how are you alive? And then they get something awful like testicular cancer and you're just like, what What the hell is, what did you do in another, why are wow. you? to you man yeah that's how you are with jeff you're like you are the world's unluckiest bastard yeah like because now he has to deal with the fact that don is dead yep wife killed don and he's in prison he's still in the game and injured beyond belief and in the hospital again well yeah and then and then don's baby goes to her sister but they take don's baby from her only to give her back if she give you know how you can get your baby back you win the game, like what Jesus? Oh, it's so fucked up. The stuff with Dawn's baby mm-hmm. and it shows like this absolutely depressing moment where she's just on the hospital bed just bawling oh, and they're they, holding her down too. Yeah, they're taking the baby away and then they're like, "Oh, you can get your baby back." And I'm like, "You all are just." Mm-hmm horrible because like so so this wasn't what we saw it wasn't the original ending to the movie they changed it for the better i think um in the original i was was reading about the original ending because i had to go research yeah so the original ending they they're in the theater that doesn't do a reenactment will arnett comes in the theater um and they don't want to kill each other and they let them go and they go outside and there's a lot of people standing out waiting and it's pretty kind of unnerving a bit. And then they go to get in their car and the people attack them and just pulverize and beat the crap out of them. And then um, it does stuff with Don's sister and stuff. And then it's still at the end, it reveals that Jeff's alive from that beating, but um, it killed Don because the people who were viewer angry viewers took it in their hands that they wanted bloodshed and it's supposed to, you know I get I get the connotations of what he's trying to say with that but the one they gave us was far more entertaining that reenactment oh, yeah. reenactment's fucking hilarious God because it gives you peak television reenactment yeah yeah feels like television re- like. Like it's giving like peak investigation discovery deadly women type yeah reenactments and I'm like you know what this is my bread and butter like the drama the melodrama just it, it's one of those movies where you're like everyone should be talking about this yeah it was talked about a little bit into that but we didn't have like internet and social media like it was back then but this movie yeah i i i can't see a qualm or a problem with it that people were like oh i can't watch it today or whatever because it's perfectly prescient and like great performances by these actors and it still holds up with the idea of the awfulness of reality tv and what 
it oh, yeah. puts on America. He's, the funny thing is nobody wants to be on this show, The Contenders. They all give him the gun. They're like, oh, hell no. God damn, go away. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're coming and just passing out guns. Like, yeah, there you go. Game. Congrats. You're on The Contenders. Oh, no. I mean, and then you have poor Don, who's literally so close to getting out of it. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, he should try to make that that's the the television show. I think he should revisit this. I yeah. think yeah, I think that I mean like, he's he's become a he's he's done like good uh oh. he's uh like he's doing like done Game of Thrones, uh he's done House of Car like it like, like prestige yeah, prestige TV is where he went after this directing. Yeah, he did like the newsroom mm-hmm. and he like so just a ton of television I'm this like, is his only film i believe i think he, i think you should revisit it i think it's worth revisiting and i think that honestly like because here's the thing i'm not against like reimaginings and re no. like remakes and stuff especially if it's gonna bring people to watch the source material right and here's the thing i yeah. I'll, I'll always bring up aaron newworth has the best quote on that I'm not against remakes. I'm against bad movies. That's that's me. That's me. I'm not against remakes. We all like John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, we yeah. all talk about The Fly. We yeah. all talk about The Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland. Hell yeah. I was just about to say that. I was like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. And they're so, all remakes. The Blob with Shawnee Smith. Those are awesome there, there are good remakes. There's good reimaginings. There's, there's good legacy sequels. Like, it's fine. Just as long as there's passion and it feels like a pulse behind it, and it's not like a, not that anyone working on any film isn't putting in work, but when there's a vision involved and a reason, it feels like a reason to be making it, like, or a new idea put on the old thing that gives us its own identity. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that this is something that he could really, really have mm-hmm. a lot of fun with in light of where reality television's gone. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't even have to be re- like a rehashing of this per se. Like, what if we're on series 25 at this point? Right. Yeah. Series 25. Yeah. You make series series five. You can make the first one with with her uh, and, the, and the the deny like doubting her pregnancy or not telling her she's pregnant so she can keep doing the show you could do some sort of drama like that so, um, there's so much you could do with it and it would all be just brilliantly funny and in line with mm-hmm. reality television like i i was like there is so much <coughs> there's so much you could do with this mm-hmm. and i was like damn i would love to see i would i would i would love to see it and i would also love to see this get like a nice blu-ray release yeah it has a pretty solid dvd it's got a commentary it's got deleted scenes it's got uh the the sundance thing i talked about and he talks um he commentaries over the sundance thing uh and it's got a lot of trailers and tv spots on so now i'm I'm gonna have to find the dvd for this yeah because uh, <laughs> I'm one of I'm one of those people. Because yep. I'm like, hell yeah! I was like, I'm gonna find a fucking DVD for this, aren't I? Because yeah. I, like, I don't foresee a Blu-ray f- from it. Because uh, I don't. I bet its rights are kind of in this uh, weird, I, like in a weird limbo thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 
I hate when that happens because I'm like, that is very well deserving of like a really nice boutique release with lots of updated extras and interviews and commentaries and stuff. So it's like, a it's out of print, but you can buy it used for pretty solid price. Okay. That's that that's I because that's the thing. I'm like, I think I I I love physical media. Mm-hmm. I I actually recently bought a regionless Blu-ray player so I could import things. Welcome I'm, to the club, and your wallet <laughs> your wallet now hates you. <laughs> yeah, and like I um now own like there's a really pretty like region B uh release. I think from 88 films of the whip and the body that I, Oh yeah. 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 I don't have that one yet, but yeah, I want that one. It's so not, it's so nice. It came the other day. So now I have two, I have two copies of the whip and the body. (laughs) I have the Kino one and this nice edition. And it comes with like a booklet of essays and like stills and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, you're gorgeous. 4k though. If you go 4k, those are region free. That's part of the whole thing with the 4K was to just go region free, no logs. So when you get to 4K, yeah, no problems. But the 4K players are still, when it comes to Blu-rays, they're still locked. So if you get a 4K from like the UK, that's a horrible rhyme. So if you get a 4K from the United Kingdom and there's the bonus features are on the Blu-ray, that Blu-ray is still locked. So it's kind of dumb, but still... that sucks amazingly. Yeah. But yeah. But if you got the you've got the region free one, so there you go. <laughs> like we uh yeah, I I was like, okay, I'm I'm doing this. I'm in my I'm in the importing things era. There you go. Um <laughs> it's never been a diabolic DVD as your friend if you ever shop on that place. Yeah. Yeah. Very I because that's the thing. I love too too many like obscure and foreign stuff to just mm-hmm. not well, are you on are you on Canopy, the streaming service? No, we here's the thing. Like through our university library mm-hmm. and our freaking uh public library here, we don't have Canopy. Oh, because you have to have the library card. Yeah. Oh, because that is the treasure trove of everything you're looking for. And you're, I'm I know, I know. I've been trying to figure it, I've been trying to figure it out and like I'm upset. I'm I'm distressed. <laughs> it, it has come in handy for my out now with Aaron and Abe uh research for the horror movie. Like as I'm like I'm actually might be in danger of using all 10 rentals um, that you get for free uh, that you get each month on, on that. But I'm, yeah. Cause I love my, like, I love just like weird foreign horror and just obscure horror that nobody mm-hmm. talks about. Talks about, I went down a rabbit hole with all kinds of Italian horror. Mm-hmm. Oh, they have Baba and everything on there. Yeah. I, Oh my god, I love Baba. I love mm. Baba. And uh just just I've I've been I'm in debt. Like I joke I'm in debt now because of Italian gothic horror. That's where Not- I first went when I was when I got region free, I was getting the arrow Blu-rays of Mario Baba. Oh yeah, cuz I you know, there's like Blood and Black Lace mm-hmm. just Oh, good. Uh, so- kill baby kill is one I like <laughs> quite a bit. Oh, that was so good. I have kill. I have kill baby. I just went and like, I, like every time Kino Lorber has a sale, I'm just. Oh yeah. I'm one, just <laughs> one I like that a lot. Um, I like the rabid dogs is a really cool one. Have you seen that one? 
not seen that okay, one. Okay, that's a cool one. I like I'm gonna that have because I still have some that I've not seen yet. And like I'm, I'm really excited to kind of, you know, fix my gaps and everything together, and like get, you know. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, series seven. But we went on that little tangent. Uh, it's such a good. Way. I, I just remembered. Funny thing is when they when they go away and they um. They run off, Jeff and her, and they're like trying to like they were seen, and they show security cam footage of them. And there's like they were at the gas station, and he was he was pumping gas, like the people that I witnessed. Yeah, and they're like, and they got this and the exact number of things that was sending that sent me the exact number, like jars of baby food, and (laughs) I'm like. You count? You count it. Yeah, someone did inventory and wants it known publicly. Um, but yeah, I, I love this movie a lot. Like I have returned to it over the years. I think about it a lot. I ever since I saw it back in two thousand one, which have been my freshman year of college. I was still at home, but like I, I just told oh, you guys see this movie. Oh my gosh! And then when I, I think I didn't buy the DVD till I worked at circuit city in college and i saw it there i was like i'm picking this up and like nobody it's just a movie nobody knows about like all the time i've known it nobody knows about roger ebert knew about it and he said that uh it's not that the i he liked the movie and said it's not that the it's not the idea that people will kill each other for entertainment that makes series seven jolting what the movie correctly perceives is that somewhere along the line we've lost all sense of shame in our society yeah, so, yeah. So, and that's this is coming from two thousand one. <laughs> so, it was the it was the Oracle. It, it, yeah. it, it this, oh, it's it's the Cassandra of yes. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Cassandra of satirical film. Gotcha. All right. Well, that that was it. I I love this movie. I love hearing about bystanders, and I love having you on here. So thank you so much, Jamie, for coming back I, on the I show. Love, I love being on here. It's always it's always a good time. It's always joyful, and we're always talking about something that a lot of people have not heard about. Yep. But we're gonna make, we're going to make them hear about hear about it, and then some. I wonder if the average budget of things we talk about is over or under five million dollars. Probably under. It's three dollars. It's three bucks. Because like, because like, Absentia probably cost twenty dollars. This movie was probably fifteen back in ninety nine. Yeah. Sound yeah. of my voice was like three dollars. Let's scare Jessica to death. Probably got people got paid in food. What else did we talk? Watch one more. Oh, House of the Devil. That didn't cost oh. anything. Yeah. No. No. No, D. Wallace just showed up. She just shows up in horror movies. Yep. She's there, She's and they there. just on camera. All the money was uh, spent on blasting Barbie director Greta Gerwig in the face yep. in that movie. So, yeah, there we go. So, Jamie, in the meantime, um, here, where can people keep up with you and keep up with bystanders? Okay, you can find me. I have a I have a website. I actually spent like the past two days overhauling that basket. Oh. Um, it is jamiealvey.com. Simple so you can find me. I'm on Twitter and you can find me there. Um, I'm usually tweeting about something silly or something weird, like, you know, 
about thinking about whipping the body way too much. Um, <laughs> I love it's a good one to think about, though. It's a good one. Yeah, I love Christopher Lee, and like, I I just that's such an interesting film um, thematically. Uh, talking about gothic horror, you can also find me on Instagram, Jamie Alvey, all that stuff. You can look at pictures of my dogs. I have, as you know, I have so many. I have so many dogs. My dogs have mm. their. My dogs have their own Instagram. Like you, I'm all over. The, I'm all over the place. But yeah, jamiealvey.com, um, at Jamie A. Writes on Twitter and Jamie Alvey on Instagram. And I will post bystanders updates when I get them. And I will share all that with you. Um, I'm really excited to show all like the behind the scenes photos I have of me covered in blood. All right. Um, like Callie, um, and the, just the, they're just, everybody is just so like, I have just some of the cutest pictures of everybody and like taking pictures of Mary Beth McAndrews and moths. We had so many moths. We have so many like magical moth pictures of people. Um, because that's the one cool thing about filming at night and like all the lights being around. There's so many moths. There's so many moths. Uh, Yeah. we have so many magical moth pictures and it was a it was it was like living um in a fantasy like Guillermo del Toro realm there with all the moths and that's okay. so, that's the only way I can describe it so yeah okay. I will share as much and everything as I can as soon as possible and I am so excited to share all of it with you excellent awesome okay well I'm on uh X <laughs> and Instagram at Brandon4KHD. See, I didn't get to do the, the X thing because I recorded all my summer episodes before it became X. Okay. So all summer here, it was Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. So now I'm just newly recording and getting used to calling it X because um, that's a dumb name. Um, so d- It's so fun to make fun of, though. I make fun yeah. of yeah, like X. X. Uh, so uh, my written work is at YSOBlue.com. And always remember to check out uh, my YouTube channel for uh, 4K Blu-ray material as well. And, uh, of course, always look at PopCon.us for everything PopCon with the podcast stage and the podcast awards that go on that I I run now. So that's pretty cool. Um, and uh, next time... Uh, we have the debut of Nicholas Rohrman from the So Far So Good podcast as he uh, makes his first appearance on the show. Uh, so till then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.